Uh, I'd like to welcome you to our worship service this morning. We're glad you're here, and we're just glad you're taking this time out of your holiday uh, weekend to worship God and celebrate together. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you are an awesome God. I thank you that you love children. I thank you that you give us the opportunity to serve and care for them, as well as to serve and care for adults. Lord, give us open eyes today as we serve you and love you and glorify you. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, when I was in ninth grade, I took a class trip to Washington, D.C. Now, you'd think with Washington, D.C., for those of you who have been there, it has amazing things to see. My memory, my favorite memory of Washington, D.C. has nothing to do with the city, nothing to do with what you'll see there. We pulled in and we parked behind this black Mercedes with the boxer license plate, and a bunch of my friends said, that car belongs to Sugar Ray Leonard. And I said, Sugar Ray Leonard is a famous boxer, for those of you that may not be sports fans. Me, being the eternal uh, skeptic, or realist is the word I prefer, said, that's not Sugar Ray Leonard's car. And so it was. He walked out to get into his Mercedes, and our bus parked in, so we had plenty of time to, to point, and, and as ninth graders will do. And so one of the days we skipped some, uh, some cemetery, I'm not even sure which one it was, but uh, to watch Sugar Ray Leonard train. Turns out he was training in our hotel. And so we went down, and there's a little ring set up in one of the the banquet halls, and we watched him train. And the whole time, and I mean constantly, there were people around the ring yelling, Go, champ. You're the greatest champ. Get him, champ. You're awesome, champ. Way to go, champ. The whole time. And so I know that I should be embarrassed that that's all I remember about Washington, D.C. as a freshman in high school. But... It was amazing to me because I think that's an example of where environment and what people say about us and whatever uh, impact us. And we'll have an impact on who we are and how we feel about ourselves. And I think we all have thoughts about ourselves that come from our backgrounds, our successes, our failures, our personalities, and I could go on and on. Can you imagine how Sugar Ray Leonard feels when he stands there and says, here's, he's training, and the, the whole response is, you're the champ, you're the greatest champ, and the impact that that has on on his view of himself. And recently we were talking about this a little bit with Andrea Haybison, one of our staff members who coordinates the Sunday morning stuff. And, and then I later heard, she quoted a pastor that I later heard him state that as well, that he made a statement that was really powerful to me. And that statement was, I can't have afford to have a thought about me that God doesn't have about me. So I can't afford to have a thought about me that God doesn't have about me. And so for me, I looked at that and I thought, well, what does God think of me? I think it raises the questions, how does that affect my thoughts about me? And rather than others around us having impacting our view of how, who we are, do we allow God to get, uh, affect our view of ourselves? And so today I just want to share two realities that we need to be aware of as we look at, do our thoughts become consistent with what God's thoughts about us? And if we're going to do that, I think there's two things that we need to understand. And the first one is our form. The Bible tells us that we are made in God's image. Now, being made in the image has two aspects that are important. First, who's the creator? Are they any good? The second one is the model you're using. Because if you're made in a model or in the image of something that's not very good, then the image isn't going to be very good. So it's really important. If we take the illustration of an artist, for example... If an artist comes together, we have to look at it and say, what quality or skill does the artist have? That's pretty important. Whenever I'm in a group and I draw a map or a picture, it's pretty evident that artistic ability is not one of my skills. 
And people laugh immediately, and I say, well, I was an art major for a semester in college, and that didn't work out very well. Because if you see me do art, it's the kind of art that only your parents would love, to be honest. Let's face it. And so the quality of artists is important if you're doing art. The model that you're using is also important. Because if you start with something high quality, the image of that can turn out to be high quality. So I thought, for example, I would give you an example of the art and made it being making something in your image this morning. So I brought some Play-Doh. The, the, um, something all good artists would use. So if I just say, okay, I'm going to make an, myself in my image right now. So I have legs because I do have legs. And there's arms. And there's the body. And I have a head that I put on there. There. Thank you, thank you. So I made something in my own image. It's short, it's squatty. Blue is one of my favorite colors. For those of you who know me, I have a huge head. Like physically, I have a huge head. Hopefully not, you know, perspective, I have a huge head. But physically, I do have a huge head. So I can look and make that and say, well, I, there, I made something in my image. And if you gave me 10 more minutes to do something, or another hour to do something, I'm afraid to tell you, it's going to look a lot like that. <laughs> and yeah, I could smooth out the wrinkles, but it's not going to be all that much more impressive. But that's not what God's talking about. Because oftentimes we look at things and say, we filter them through, well, that would be how I do it. So if I make something in my image, it's going to look like this. So God making something in my image must be similar to that. And so we need to look at, what is our form? We're made in God, God's image. And so we need to start and look at, what is the artist, who is the artist that we're talking about? And in this case, that's God. And we find that in Genesis 1. The Bible starts with God explaining who he is and his creative ability. And Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was upon the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then I'm just going to skip every couple, three, four, nine, some several verses to, to uh, jump to the points. But uh, verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Verse 9, And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. Down to verse 21. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said in verse 24, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. Then verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And it was so. Verse 31, God saw all he had made, and it was very good. And if we're going to understand the perspective of us, and if our thoughts are going to be the thoughts about us that God has about us, we need to understand our form. We need to understand the quality of the artist that's making us. Because I think it's really hard. We filter that through things that people say, and we often feel like this little guy sitting up here. Rather than a, a beautifully created individual 
that God knit together, that God created, the, the perfect um, creator God. And Psalm 139 says, uh, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. So we have a great, impressive creator, but we also have an impressive original. So if we are made in the image of God, we need to look at, okay, so God is a great creator. What is he like other than that? And you can look through your Bible and read just verse after verse of how God is incredible and God is holy and God is powerful and he's loving and caring and full of mercy and forgiving and complex and all the things that the Bible explains about who God is. And so not only do we have a great creator, but we have a great model that we are made in the image of. So if we are made in the image of who God is, by a God who created everything, then that tells us something about our form. It tells us something about the significance of our form. Is that the thought you have about yourself? When you look at yourself, do you realize you were created in God's image? And so my thoughts about myself need to be consistent with God's thoughts about me. And God tells us we're created in his image. And so that's a great and powerful promise. But I think we need to move past form to include function as well. So what is the function of our life? Well, I think it boils down to God is God. He is the creator God, so we are his people. We are his creation. We are his children. And the beauty is he wants a relationship with us. Now, you don't, can't talk very deeply about relationship with God and being created in his image without talking about sin. Because sooner or later, you need to look at that and say, um, what we are created to be was, was damaged and destroyed somewhat by sin. And so sin came into the world, but the beauty is we have a God who's big enough and loving enough that he said, I want to have a relationship with you, and this sin is destroying that, so I'm going to take care of that sin, or make it possible to take care of that sin, by sending my son Jesus. And so the Bible is clear that it talks about Jesus comes and he dies for our sins, uh, he rose again on the third day, went up into heaven, sent us the Holy Spirit to continue to convict and challenge and encourage and, and support and heal all of those things, so that we can have a relationship with God. And we see verses about that uh, function in like Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're just not going to be that original intended creation because of sin. Ephesians 2.8, though, says it's for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. And so God gives us that gift of grace, an undeserved gift of Jesus, that says it's possible to make a relationship with him again in spite of that sin because he can remove that sin and the Bible says it's make, he'll make it as white as snow and lots of different verses that talk about God's power over that. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because I think sin causes us to have two different, well, causes us to have multiple responses to our view of ourselves. But I think it, it's common for us to have two specific ones. And one is less than. We look at it and say, we're not, you know, we're not fearfully and wonderfully made. Or we're not you know, as significant as something else. And oftentimes we take a slice of that and say, okay, let's look at, there's so many more people that are better at art than I am. Yes, that is a true statement. That doesn't change the fact that God created me in his image. It doesn't change the fact that I'm his creation. 
I'm a child of God. And he wants to have a relationship with me. And he offers that forgiveness through his son, Jesus. And so if we come to him and we say, God, we understand that we're sinful and we need a relationship with you. I understand that you've made it possible to do that. Then we ask for forgiveness from Jesus and he he makes that possible for us to have that relationship. So it gets us past the less than where we're not good enough. We're not special. And it often results from what people tell us. Well, you're not that great. The other option is, of less than is greater than. And the greater than is simply to say, looks a lot like, yeah, I'm a sinner, but not that bad. Or, you know, kind of a big deal. Can I tell you how much money I made last year? Can I tell you how good I was athletically? Can I tell you how great of an artist I am? And so we often res- respond with less than or greater than. Because we get ourself and our sin and we let our perspective get in there. And the function of who we are changes from God is God to we're kind of God. Because we love that God status. It's, it's attractive. It's great to be in charge. You, everybody, what you say goes. That kind of thing. And yet God lays out an example for that. It's loving and a servant heart and things like love your enemies and love the people next to you like you love yourself. And so if we look at our form and our function and we say our thoughts need to be consistent with God's thoughts, then that's true for the person sitting next to you. That's true for the spouse that's driving you crazy. That's true for the neighbor that won't stop doing things that frustrate you. Is that they are created in that form as well. And so it comes down to function. Are we being obedient to what God calls us to do? Or are we not? Psalm 139 gives me a picture. Um, it's one of my favorite passages where it gives me a picture of what God is God and the significance of who he is. And so the first six, six verses talk about, You search me, Lord, and you know me. You know that and I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too lofty for me, too lofty for me to attain. And so our function is understanding God is so bigger than us. So much bigger than us? So much bigger than us. Just as we talked about with the kids, if we are fearful and and God says be strong and courageous, it's because God is God. And it's when we get in the way that's the problem. Because life is not static. Uh, Relationships erode naturally if we don't put any energy into it. That's your spouse, that's your friends, that's your kids, that's God. It erodes naturally if we don't put any energy into it. And so I brought an illustration of that this morning. That um, I think there's times where we look at that, and this is like our relationship with God. And I put the cool little um, trophy down at the bottom, because that's kind of the human side of, hey, look at how cool I am. And so what God does is he allows us to get past that. He allows freedom from the power of sin. He allows freedom from the power of, of limitations of our humankind. But we're not going to get completely loose from that just because of the way it works. So we're still tied to this earth. We're still tied with our personal struggles. But we can be elevated to, to, to experience God in a cool, deeper way. The problem is we allow sin to come at us and affect us. It's a big water day. It's really hot this week. So if we allow sin to come and weigh us down, and it comes after us and says, you know what, I'm just going to let sin affect me in my body, 
eventually we start having problems. We start coming to the point where we're not really experiencing God as deeply as we used to be. And so we come and we say, now we're tied more to that humanness and that human limitation. And we have to come to God and say, God, I understand that you are God. And I'm still going to struggle with that sin. And so I need to deal with that sin. And different sins are going to affect us different ways and at different levels. But either way, it's us coming to God each time saying, God, you are God. My function is you created me. You created me in your image. Or my form is that. My function is me serving you and me experiencing you. And too often when we let sin get in the way, that becomes a problem for us. And it weighs it down. There's other times where we come along and we say, you know, we come to church like this and, and just kind of suck in God. And Terry Esau, who happens to be attending with us this morning, uh, is a regular attender here and is also um, a local speaker and, and author, told me the illustration one time where he says, sometimes we come to church and we breathe in God and we try to get so much God that we run out and we hold our breath for the whole week. Well, the problem is, when we let out that breath, it stinks by then. And then people look at that and go, that's what God, your God is about? And we don't realize we need that fulfillment and that refreshment and that growth. And so we go running around and we don't allow God to, to seal that with the Holy Spirit. We don't allow God to have a relationship. And pretty soon we just do this deal. And so we're really excited for a while. And then we come back here and get really excited for a while. Or we go to camp or retreats or whatever. But it comes down to, if we allow sin to work in our life, it's a challenge. And so when we look at, um, I just have a couple verses as we draw to a close. Philippians 3, starting in verse 12, says that not that I have attained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to be taken hold of, yet to have taken hold of it, sorry. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Our function that, removes, that moves from the form that we started with is to press on. To press on for a relationship with God. That relates to dealing with sin and relying on the Holy Spirit. We've seen the Holy Spirit do cool stuff, especially in the last few months of healing and, and redemption and just freedom. And so I want to challenge you to think, as you look at function, are we pressing on toward that goal? Because we have some role in that. There's a pressing on that. But there's also a role that God has to do that frees us from the sin and frees us from our background and our perspective that's too good or, or less than. Romans 12 also starts in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is all about transformation. This is all about the fact that God takes us from the original form, deals with the sin, allows us to be transformed with the renewing of your mind. But relationships are static, Relation, or not static. They're going to erode naturally. We have to continue to spend time with God. And so I want to challenge you with that this weekend, that as we're talking about freedom for our country, we also celebrate the freedom that we have. And I want to just, or freedom we have in Jesus. And I want to just finish with two verses out of the end of Psalm 139. 
Verse 17 says, How precious are your thoughts, God. How vast is this? Oh, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. And really that could be translated, How amazing are your thoughts concerning me. So God thinks about me and about you and all of us. It says, How precious concerning me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Do you know that God thinks about you? He thinks about you so often that you can't count. If you would try to count them, it would be like counting the grains of the sands of the sea. That's a lot of thoughts. And so if we're looking at the challenges of, can I afford to have thoughts about me that God doesn't have about me? Understand, God thinks about you all the time. God says, you were created in my image. Your form is awesome. Your function is to transform and be renewed in, my mind, in your mind as you have a relationship with me. And so I just want to encourage you to do that and, you know, experience that. Come share that with us. Challenge us. Go grow with us. That's a lifelong thing of understanding who God is and the significance of that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you created us in your image. What a beautiful model to be made in. What a beautiful perspective of your significance. That you are the creator God. That not only created us, but wants to have a relationship with us. And so, Lord, as we look at our form and as we think about our function, may we experience you in incredible ways. May your spirit deal with our forgiveness, deal with our encouragement, deal with our perspective. Deal with voices that we hear of others telling us that we aren't as good or we're too good or all of those things, Lord. Bind Satan from his power. Allow us to worship you and be transformed, seeking that as a goal that we press on to experience you in unique and exciting ways. In your name I pray. Amen.